0: Welcome aboard the USS Aeronome.
1: To become a member of our crew, please visit PerfectOrganism.com slash support. As a patron of Perfect Organism, you'll receive exclusive perks and early access to content. Incoming audio transmission received. Please proceed to Subdeck 3 to begin playback. Thank you, and welcome aboard.
0: I think we ought to discuss the bonus situation. Right. Brett and right. I, we think we ought to... We deserve full shares, right. right, baby? You see, Mr. Park and I feel that the bonus
1: situation is... There. Move! Get out of there! Don't you move! George, <laughs> move! Down! Move, down! Move, down! Get out! <laughs> <laughs>
0: Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. I am your host, Jamie Prater. Today, we are here to speak to Randy Falk. He is the VP and Senior Creative Director at NECA. This is an interview we've been looking forward to for a long time. My co-host and creative partner, Patrick, could not be here tonight. He's dealing with some emergency family issues. He sent his well wishes and a few questions. So, Randy, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you for having me. Looking forward to it.
0: Yes, us too. I just want to kind of jump right in as I described your 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 title at NECA. What what does that what does that mean? How does that play itself out at NECA?
1: Sure. Basically, I oversee all the development uh, for every one of our action figures. So from um, initial concept, um, design, uh, articulation, features, accessories uh in in many cases character selection uh certainly it's appropriate in the worlds of alien and predator as we try to uh you know keep those lines very diverse and uh pool from all the uh expanded universe so we don't limit ourselves to the theatrical films we're looking at the video games the publishing um you know the old kenner toys just whatever we can mine from just to keep the line fresh and interesting um and that's something that's been key to the success of both those lines is really uh, orchestrating that from the start, knowing that we want to mix it up. And certainly, if there's like a current film or a current game release, there may be a focus or initiative for those things at that time, um, an anniversary year, things of that nature. But otherwise, uh, we try to spice it up, you know, mix up the series and the contents. Um, so I work all, with all the sculptors. Um, with the licensors, in this case, uh, you know, 20th Century Fox, um, on on the entire development from concept, sculpt, design, uh, accessories, paint, packaging, uh, all the way through production and manufacturing, uh, till it's on the shelf.
0: Wow, wow! So, uh, before we get into that a little bit more, how did you find your way to NECA?
1: So, I've always been um, a toy collector and toy junkie uh, since the 70s, really. Um, My first action figures were Mego Toys, the 8-inch Mego line, superheroes in the mid-70s. I then graduated to uh, Kenner Star Wars and G.I. Joe, a real American hero, and and just kind of followed that progression. I never stopped collecting toys or being interested in toys. Um, As I got older, you know, customizing, kit bashing, um, making figures that... You know, I can remember in college making my own crow figure, like before there even was a crow movie, but just from the, you know, the comics and stuff like that. So I uh, always had an interest in it in the mid nineties, about the time I uh, uh, graduated college, um, McFarland toys had gotten uh, their start and they really um, were taking it to a whole nother level where toys were always You know, geared towards kids and simple and not detailed and didn't have a lot of paint operations. You know, everything was kind of dumbed down and simplified, and they were really bringing toys to a new exciting place. And I found out that the uh, design studio for McFarlane Toys was based in New Jersey, which is where I uh, still reside and was born and raised. I focused all my efforts on getting a foot in the door there, and that's where I um, sort of, you know, cut my teeth um, in the industry and learned about sculpting and, uh, licensing and, um, really all of the whole entire process of what goes on and worked on, uh, you know, kiss and movie maniacs and, uh, professional, all the professional sports, all the licenses that, that, uh, McFarlane had. Uh, so I spent a few years there, you know, learning all I could and then they were going more mainstream and doing more, uh, really more and more sports, which wasn't my thing. I'm a creature and, and monster guy. You know, I love the horror movies, the slasher movies, and certainly stuff like alien predator, Robocop terminator. Um, and you know, when I started there, that was probably 70% of what we did. And then the other 30% was probably like spawn and image comics. after a few years, that was like less than 50% of what we did. And it was, You know sports and other things that i wasn't necessarily into so uh when work wasn't fun anymore it was time to you know find a way to make it fun again and that's that's what happened
0: we we approached this interview with you knowing that there are of course hundreds of thousands of people who purchased the alien line it's fairly popular i would say fairly is an underest an underestimate um more than fairly popular it's very popular everyone's always waiting for the next release or the next announcement um, I know whether it's Alien or Alien 3 or whatever in between, I know uh, you guys are working on or you've released uh, a line of figures are a homage to the Kenner toys, which are awesome, um, which we know people just have a place in a really great place in their heart. Um, I mean, the, the commercial, I mean, Alien is so interesting because you have these very adult movies that kids can't see, but they have a very kid-friendly line. Um, and everyone remembers that. Everyone remembers those commercials. We've shared a couple on our social media and they've blown up. Um, it's 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 something that's it's everlasting. It's really, really interesting.
1: To interrupt you for a second that you bring that up, and if people haven't seen it, we'll get you a link to it. Some of the fans in Collector community have made their own commercials modern commercials like in homage to those old Kenner commercials from the 90s with our toys there's a guy I think he was a film student and he did, maybe his sister or a relative acts you know and they do a whole thing with Newt and Ripley and they've made like modern co- commercials as, as if they could play you know during uh, afternoon television and they're fantastic they are on YouTube and it's the coolest thing in the world for us to see because obviously like You know, we we don't have that kind of a budget and and aren't doing television commercials. And there's hardly, you know, kids programming like that. Like you and I, we come home from school, we put on the TV, have our snack and watch whatever, G.I. Joe, Transformers, He-Man, take your pick. It's not like that anymore, you know? But those days are not forgotten. And and, uh, to see like the fans create their own commercials using our toys like that, it's a blast. Like we just sit there geeking out at that thing. Oh man, this is so cool. We wish we could run spots like that, you know? Watch out, Ripley! You're entering the hive. Use him with your pulse rifle! Oh no, Ripley! It's the mama!
0: And she's big! Get away from her, you witch! That is awesome. In terms of planning for new lines, new figures, maybe one-offs or a series, where does that begin with you guys?
1: Well, it starts out uh, trying to... to balance how many releases we think we can uh, uh, produce and manufacture within a calendar year. Um, certainly, the last couple years that's been more challenging since um, none of our team can be in China and working on the manufacturing directly, so that tends to slow things down a bit. Um, and then there's other things that come into play. Uh, you know, we were celebrating uh, the 40th anniversary of Alien, and, and really. Um, that's been going on for about two years. Cause actually, ironically, right. Today is, uh, the, let me do my math real quick. It's the 42nd anniversary of that's the million right. as we record this. Um, so for about two years, we've been doing this line. And it's taken a while to get it out there. Part of it was COVID and not being able to, you know, be in China and, and be hands on with, uh, you know, with our vendors there. Another part is, uh, all the talent rights. Um, as some people may or may not know, um, 20th Century Fox as a studio does not have uh, the likeness rights to all of the actors uh, as they appear. And, and it, it varies from film to film. Um, and they have rights to some, not to others. So, in, in the case of Alien, uh, while it's taken a, a long time to uh, do the whole crew, that's because we had to uh, work with those families or, or the estates if they've passed, you know, and also uh, in some cases. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, the, the the passing or demise of some of these great actors has been relatively recent. Um, Ian Holm, for example, um, John Hurt. Um, you know, we certainly never want what we're doing to seem um, like exploitive or anything like that, you know. Um, so we want to pay tribute and homage to their role and, and the great job they did a- as actors. Um, but let that time pass, uh, you know, so it's an honor, uh, a memoriam, a tribute to um, you know, and it's, it's really great now uh, to see that we have all the principal cast, which has never been done. I mean, like, you know, here we are 42 years um, and there's been model kits and figures and statues and you name it, um, but we are the only uh, company that's, that's done every cane and ash and, um, you know, lambert dallas ripley um brett parker like we, we got them all and it, it took a great deal of time as it did with aliens as we were adding marines and you know uh, uh, carter burke and just all sorts of different things to the line uh you know that's that's part of it so uh some of it's acquiring talent rights and figuring out when we can uh slot those in um and again trying to balance like we wanted to uh do this anniversary line and and the anniversary line also we we have challenges of balancing our retail commitments right so uh we have very successful um programs at target and at walmart but we also um want to offer something to our our mom and pops our specialty guys that have been through uh uh, thick and thin with us you know uh, from day one so with with the anniversary line um we tried to carve it out and have like an assortment that went to target an assortment that went to uh, Walmart and an assortment that didn't go there and only went to the specialty guys. And, and we tried to balance that in the, you know, when we did uh, Brett and Parker, which were two figures we never did before those went uh, to the hobby market, to the specialty market. So they were uh, more accessible, easier to get. You didn't have people like scalping them and whatever, and people could order them online easier and stuff like that. Um, so it's a, it's a combination of a lot of things. Uh, um, retail commitment, licensing, acquisitions, approvals. Um, you know, and we're at a time where there's a bit of a transition because there's no film currently coming. Um, you know, some people probably know Disney purchased Fox, so there's a little bit of transition there. Um, the comics and the publishing side are no longer with Dark Horse, which is a huge game changer because that's you know, a 30 plus year uh, history. Um, you know, and on the exciting front at the end of last year, they announced a, a television show that's in development. So certainly we're, our interest is peaked, and we want to know what's happening there and certainly want to support it as we have every, uh, you know, fresh iteration and, and take on the franchise. And there's a, an exciting new game in the works that we've seen some footage from and a little gameplay. Um, so we're, we're watching that as well. And then again, trying that, okay, we want to do we want to do some stuff from the game but we also have some kenner stuff we want to do uh you know and and then uh at the same time going back to the films and checking off the the stuff that okay we haven't gotten to uh you know drake yet or um uh can we do some of the nostromo crew in like the regular uh like sort of civilian clothes or, or ship clothes rather than the compression suits and stuff. So there's always stuff we want to get to um, and we chip away at it and then slot it in where it fits. But if like something happens with the television show and we're able to be a part of that, then that will become, you know, the primary uh, initiative so we can try to have product out when the show launches. But at this point, uh, it's all hypothetical. We, we don't know anything about the show other than the announcement that was made uh, last November December at that shareholders thing. Um, And there's, you know, uh, great excitement and interest in in what that's going to be. So uh, I hope we can be a part of that, too.
0: How does the the license for the IP work with NECA? Is it consecutive? Do you have to renegotiate? Did you have to renegotiate during the transition from Fox to Disney, even more so in terms of artists and their likeness? I mean, I, I don't know the specific history on this fact, but from what I was told, Sigourney Weaver did not license her face for a long, long, long time, but has recently done that. Um, is that that licensing something that is, it's a contract made for five years and then you have to renegotiate? How does that work?
1: The, the typical licensing deal with a studio, um, be it Warner Brothers, Disney, Fox, what have you, typically um, the licenses are usually a two to three year um, deal. And then there's renewals after that if you know, if both parties are happy and they want to keep going. As you know, with Alien, we're approaching somewhere close to 100 different figures at this team. So obviously, we keep renewing and we're doing well and, uh, and we're, we're um, you know, meeting our, our guarantees, making great toys, people are collecting it, um, you know, the, the fans are happy, the studio's happy, we're happy, so we keep going and that's that's been, uh, that's been great. Um, in terms of the talent deals for actors and actresses, that's a bit different because it's it's time consuming to to one get to those people and then um, in some cases and and you're right historically uh, Sigourney was not um, doing that she just you know didn't want to wasn't into it um, and in some cases uh, if you think of how toys were thought about before you know, maybe you don't want a little kid running around with a figure of you and a and a, and a gun, you know, and the, and the way people thought about toys in the 80s and probably even the first half of the 90s, you always think kids first and how they play and what the play pattern is. Um, but really, you know, at the late 90s and certainly through the 2000s, um, toys are, are way more accepted as, you know, a collectible and a collectible for uh, adults. You know, it's become sort of uh, a, a status symbol a pop culture like milestone now you know to have yourself done as a, as an action figure and you certainly see you know many different uh people uh from film you know promote their figures on talk show appearances and stuff and it can be anything from the marvel universe to uh you know to, to we had like uma thurman had uh her Kill Bill figure on Conan O'Brien once, which we had done, which was, you know, super cool. So it's become more of a thing, that stigma of like, you know, a bunch of like, you know, nerds living in the basement, all that. It's kind of gone, the 40 year old virgin crap has kind of gone away, you know, and, and really, you know, like geeks become mainstream, you know, so I think people understand and accept, um, toys, uh, as an art form more, and certainly as a, a collector, uh, market um you know and i don't know if that was the case with sigourney specifically or with some of the other talent But i think as time has gone on it's become more um mainstream and more respected and understood um and then it's also an interesting thing you know for some of the talent involved where uh once not everyone but say 90 percent of the people have said yes and are doing it you know we have uh um, rico ross and we have uh bill paxton and michael bean and um lance Henriksen and you know it kind of makes sense for the other people say oh i don't i don't want to be left out like this was fun and being in this movie was great and the fact that 30 some odd years later people still love these characters and and you know want a private vasquez and, and want uh uh you know newt and, and all this stuff that no one had ever done uh, they recognize and and uh they want to give back to the fans you know a lot of the the actors that do conventions and do signings they hear from the fans like you should do a toy or i want a figure of you and you know that stuff matters to them uh, you know uh, we work on a lot of different brands you know and i know with you know anything from predator alien ninja turtles is another one where we've had to get talent rights and you see people uh judith Hogue, who played april o'neill in the original turtles film has like embraced it and done like a little you know, documentary feature. People want this stuff, and while it was one part, one role she played in a in a 30-plus year career, it matters to like generations of you know collectors, consumers, fans, um, and it's cool that you know talent has uh, embraced that and not turned away from it. You know, and kind of celebrated. I know Carrie Han, who we did a bunch of stuff with for for newt you know she signs her figures all the time and loves that we did newt and we did newt with ripley and um you know uh, paul riser was a crazy like random thing where i knew somebody involved in comedy and he said i can i can put you in touch with paul and paul was like who wants a figure of me what am i going to come with a pencil like i'm the corporate bad guy (laughs) and you know i said listen like people want like you were a sob people hated you man like um, who are they going to feed to the Xenomorphs, you know, we got to get Carter Burke in there, you know, and uh, I got to go meet with him and talk to him about it. And, um, you know, we were able to do that figure, which is like, who would have ever thought that would happen, you know, and you can reenact mad about you episodes now even so. <laughs> It was, it was cool. You know, sometimes just things happen like that. It's, it's a process though. You know, there's some talent rights that we had tried to get before and couldn't, and then things change. You know, uh, we we tried for a long time to get um, Sergeant Apone, Al, uh, his name escapes me at the moment, unsuccessful. You know, there's just some, sometimes you can't reach them or they don't want to do it or, you know, Um, but we've, we've got a pretty good batting average. And when you look at everyone, we've gotten into that line over the last several years, it's, um it's pretty impressive and, and uh, comprehensive um you know i'm thrilled to to be a part of it i grew up loving those first two films you know and i still do i think they're you know perfect movies that are completely different um but equally fantastic and i never ever tire of watching them um and i feel lucky to you know to work on this stuff and to give collectors this you know, u- universe and all these different xenomorphs along with uh, the humans as well. Yeah.
0: The, the variety has been great, not only with the films and the characters in the xenomorphs, but the one-offs that you guys do based off concepts that you release, some things that you don't see in the film, maybe you've seen in a comic um, or say Tristan Jones. I know there is a line of xenomorphs created in the likeness that he draws them, which He's he's an incredible artist,
1: and we have him doing a bunch of uh, Predator uh, packaging art for us currently. You know, we have an ongoing uh, relationship with him, but yeah, he's a fantastic artist, and his work on Alien for Dark Horse was uh, spectacular. So yeah,
0: we've had him on the show before.
1: Yeah, he's he's great. He's, he's great you know, um, he can't go wrong with with uh, what he's doing.
0: Oh yeah, I I I think that Tristan, in terms of the type of work he does, he is. He gets that creature in a way very few people do. Um, and and it's terrifying every time he, you can't stop looking at it. I mean, by this point where, well, the, the creature itself is so interesting in that it's like a spider where you're terrified of it, but you can't stop looking at it. Um, and each time you see a new image of it, yes, you've seen it before, but it's still just as terrifying. And, and whatever he does brings that out, um, which Leads me to my question in terms of a new line or a new figure, what starts, obviously we're in the 35th anniversary year of Aliens, so it makes sense that you guys are like, okay, well, what are we going to release for that? Um, but in general, is it ever a time where the studio comes to you and says, hey, we'd like you to do this? Or is it you always saying, well, what do we want to do next? What are people asking
1: for? If it's a not, if there's not a tentpole release, like a, a current film uh a big video game launch, it is generally left up to us to sort of um, come up with a line list that we think is uh, a good balance and that collectors are going to want. Um, occasionally, we'll hear from the studio or a studio will hear from an important retail partner because the studios deal with the bigger retailers too. So maybe there'll be a case where they say, oh, GameStop wants this or Target wants that, stuff like that. So that does happen sometimes and we try to, if it makes sense, um, you know, from a business standpoint, and it's, it's not going to piss off collectors, like it's going to be accessible, and they're going to be able to get it, and we're putting out something that, um, you know, that people want, or like, if we're going to re-release something, that there is demand for it still, like we've had to go back and make the queen several times, either people come to the line late, or, um, you know, mister, or, or want that figure again, but I don't, Generally, I don't like to reprint or rerun a lot of the same figures as time goes on, because it just takes up uh, slots in the pipeline where we could be getting something new and fresh out there. But, um, you know, when there's stuff that the fans want or missed, like the power loader, the queen, we will bring it back from time to time. And certainly during anniversary years, it's more important to have those items out there. You know, at this point, we're looking at what's going on with the fire team, uh, which looks pretty exciting. There's some uh, Diverse different Xenomorphs in there that we've never done um, As figures before. Um, So that's something that we definitely have our our eye on and want to explore Um, You know, and I would imagine uh, It won't be too long, hopefully, before we start to know more about the tv show and hopefully that would be part of next year um you know we have a bunch of new figures done some from the kenner uh universe i I teased a uh um a panther a little while back um so we are continuing that as well which is a lot of fun because those are uh you know a chance for us to sort of play a little bit because the designs are there from what kenner did but like pushing that detail um Uh, And it's not really creating our own, but putting our own influence into it because there's just so much more uh, there in our sculpts versus what Kenner did. Um, So stuff like the panther and the cougar. um, You know, we've had a great success with the rhino uh, in the last year, which is a a bigger Kenner figure we've done. Um, You know, I'd love to get to the flying queen. So uh, we always develop Kenner and then slot it in where it fits in between um, you know, stuff like the game, the, the anniversary stuff for the movies, um, you know, and again, knowing that, uh, the show is in development. So that'll mm-hmm. be hopefully the next thing we get to take a stab at. Um, now that would be sort of a different thing, right? Cause you asked about licensing. We have, you know, a current deal that it really includes everything to date, but you know, if that, if there's a new movie or a new show sometimes that involves uh, an additional uh, license, either it's a separate license or it's an additional um, financial commitment on our side to um, secure those rights. You know, if it's something new, the studio would have the right to say, oh, you know, we're gonna try something new or go shop this around or whatever, you know? And as you know, they've tried some different things. There's some less, uh, let's say, less collector-oriented alien stuff that's out there at at, uh, Walmart. Um, you know, lower price, simpler things, more uh, geared towards like little kids. If it if it works, it's, it's uh, cool. You know, it gets them hooked at a young age, and then maybe they become customers of ours as they get older and, and want something more uh, detailed and more accurate. Um, you know, I think uh, what we've done with the line is sort of the benchmark at this point, and uh, we have a lot of cool stuff still to come. We have been. Playing a little close to the vest, and haven't shown a lot of new stuff lately. A few teases here and there, but uh, there really is a lot in the pipeline. I would say, uh, just this week alone, we submitted four new, uh, brand new xenomorphs to uh, to Fox for final approval. Their final sculpts with all the articulation, and all the detail and everything in place. So, um, you know, if all that stuff gets approved. We probably would show it in July because honestly, our timing was still based around those big uh, milestone events every year, like in February, New York Toy Fair, and in July, San Diego Comic Con. So there won't be Comic Con, but we will still have announcements and reveals during that timing. Um, And that's kind of what we were leading up to with a minimum of four, maybe six new alien figures to announce. And, you know, they would have been on display in a diorama and a full, you know, the whole. Kit and Caboodle uh, in San Diego had, you know, cons been possible again this year, but we'll virtually uh, share all that stuff and and have a lot of new figures to show you guys real, real soon. I think uh, I think the fans will be pleased because it's, they're different uh, footprints, different body types, different, uh, you know color schemes. I I can't give too much away, but it certainly is uh, fresh. And, you know, we put a checklist out every year, right, around the holidays, sort of a visual guide that shows every figure we've released to date. And it's always fun to add to that and see how how the line has grown and what we've uh, expanded and, and and of course the different you know colors and uh, body types and stuff like the queen face hugger or uh, genocide the the red xenomorphs from the mm-hmm. dark horse books and uh, you know just a lot of fun you know, mantis alien gorilla alien just crazy stuff that we've been able to to put into the line.
0: I loved the Alien Three line you guys came out with with the dog and the actual dog and uh, just that whole setup. It was really I've seen some of those props the dog prop at. Studio ADI, as usual, you guys really captured the essence of that film, the very dark, the very, uh they were just, it was just a great, and of course Ripley and her bald head and uh, the, the, the Utani um
1: commandos, yeah. Commandos,
0: yeah, soldiers. Uh Yeah, just,
1: I love that design I love. And it's one of those things like you barely see it, but they just look so cool. And I always wanted to get those out there. So I was really psyched that we got to do those. And, you know, I love like, troop builder type of things you know like you know like your stormtroopers or your cobra soldiers and that kind of stuff like i grew up with that you know an, an army building those type of characters to sort of have like the the weyland yutani commando was it was a huge uh a huge one for me It's one i was really happy about
0: yeah i love it and it's also the design is a homage to the original suit from alien which so the the tie-in is great let's just take one figure, uh, let's save Vasquez, from inception, obviously you know what she looks like, you know what you want to do. Who sculpts that? What's that process like for one figure and where and where does it go? Like what's the line?
1: Sure. In the case of Vasquez and really a lot of the females, we tend to lean on some of our female sculptors more um, just because they can capture the sort of uh, softness and uh, beauty that a woman has versus a man, uh, men's features just tend to be, you know, harsher uh, and rougher, and we're not necessarily pleasant to look at. Um, where women, there's just it's harder to capture. Women and, and kids are the hardest things to sculpt, just because everything is uh, softer and more subdued. There's a lot more subtlety. Um, so, uh, in the case of Vasquez and, and Ripley and some of the others, uh, we have a very talented uh, female artist named Adrian Smith. Um, and she was the first one that I turned to, uh, you know, in creating Vasquez and said, Hey, listen, this is the plan. Um, we got the rights to, to Jeanette as Vasquez, and we're going to do a couple figures with this because she has like the BDUs, but then she has the smart gunner outfit and we want to, um, you know, get a few plays out of this cause she's such a great iconic character and such, uh, you know, just such a badass." Um, and so that's where it started. So we come up with a plan that I give to Adrian that says like, you know, here's the initial version sculptor in the tank top. And, um, then we're going to add on, uh, you know, the tactical gear, um, the best at the same time, we have a fabrication team, uh, that works on all the accessories. So we have, uh, model makers that are making the smart gun, the harness, uh, the knife, uh, pulse rifle, anything else that she would come with. That's from, uh, Sort of a mechanical point of view it's not it's not sculpted in clay or wax but it's more machined Uh, nowadays a lot of that stuff's done digital Um, we do a mix of digital and traditional with the accessories and and all the alien stuff at the time uh, was built traditional so it's model makers with um like abs plastic styrene wren cutting and carving and uh, fabricating all of those pieces simultaneously uh, while Adrian is sculpting the actual wax figure in an ideal world the accessories are done at the same time or a little ahead of time so then we can hand them off to Adrian so she can adjust hand position finger position like you know we have gun holding hand you want the finger on the trigger a knife holding hand you know working out all the uh, play pattern and the way the character needs to interact with the accessories um that process can take on average four to six weeks i think vasquez maybe took a little bit longer but that's because one we were doing uh the multiple versions all at once like knowing we were going to do like a kenner version of her the bdu version and the smart gunner version and to the smart gunner gun and contraption with the hinges it's it's pretty complex So getting all that worked out took a little bit longer. So that that whole thing might have taken about two months to prototype. Um, And then when everything's done, we we show it to uh, to Jeanette in this case for approval. Uh, Often when the talent grants the rights, they have at minimum consultation, uh, if not absolute approval on what we're doing. They want to see it and have their say. You know, make sure it looks like them and uh, is accurate and flattering. And uh, once that's approved. Uh, then we show it to uh, uh, 20th Century Fox. So here's a prototype of Vasquez uh, approved by Jeanette Goldstein, and we provide the documentation of that approval and and that we had secured her rights and everything like that. Um, and once that happens, uh, we start doing our paint master. So we'll, we'll make a mold of the sculpt and of the uh, uh, of the weapons, and then paint up the prototypes. Um, and, and then get those ready to ship to China to begin the tooling process. And that's really where manufacturing uh, steel molds are, are uh, created and then injection molded plastic is extruded from uh, those molds to make a, you know, a posable action figure. So uh, the whole process from start to finish, you said from inception of getting her rights and then uh, sculpting approval, everything like that is probably about nine or 10 months from when we started to when it was on, on shelf.
0: Wow, that's not that long. That's fantastic.
1: It's probably longer now, <laughs> uh, in a COVID world. Um, but that's probably what it was then. You know, we we generally have about a seven to nine month turnaround. That was our our average for a long time. Everything's taken longer in the last year and a half for obvious mm-hmm. reasons. And it's not even just the manufacturing. Even like shipping. If people follow the news and current events, there's been like record numbers of containers coming into the ports it's taking longer for this stuff to get cleared unloaded put on a train brought to a store uh you know um and of course essential goods certainly when we're in the height of the pandemic anything uh that was non-essential uh takes a back seat obviously Mm -hmm. it's more important that people get their uh ppe and uh and their sanitizer and their food and, and medicine and those things and you know toys and and all that kind of stuff can can wait it's it's what's starting to turn a corner i think things will get back to normal certainly by next year but um you know uh, typically that's that's you know we always like in, uh, compare it to you know having a baby it's like that nine month cycle you we're, we're baking our little plastic uh, figure babies and getting them ready for uh, for a shelf
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, As an aside, I don't know how many if you've read all three um, issues that are available from Marvel. Their alien, their new alien issue. It's not their thirty fifth anniversary, but they've introduced an alpha, um, which is kind of like a king. I think maybe not, but it's got a very specific head that's crowned a little bit, but. looks a little bit like the big chap but still keeps that architecture in place will you guys be doing anything with that
1: i don't know yet i mean i certainly we've supported publishing in the past and so far um, I mean, the sales on the books and, and stuff have been strong and, and you know there's predator books uh happening as well um so probably we will look that way i think we're kind of waiting to see you know what stands out and what's like with dark horse it was so much easier just because that history was there, right We, we had literally 30 years to, to pull from and they always carried the torch when there wasn't necessarily films happening or in between all the films um, and wrote some great stories so we knew uh, that history was there. It's always easier to go back. It's like risky like as you know, we do a lot of different licenses and when you do something that's current or new, there's where the risk is, because you don't know if it's going to take off or resonate with the fans. When we're doing our classic legacy stuff like Alien, Predator, Gremlins, Terminator, all that, you know what's, you know what works and you know what's good and what fans want, you know, because we kind of grew up with it all. Um, with what Marvel's doing, I think we want to take a look at it, certainly. Um, and we are, you know, all about supporting uh, the franchise in, in every form um but we haven't dipped our toe into that uh pool just yet mm-hmm. but we'll see you know as as the books grow like what is resonating with the fans and what they want to see um and again it's that balance because you know we have people that have been waiting for us to do like a praetorian and, and other things that have that are just super cool and have that you know 20 plus year uh, fandom behind them or like when's neca doing this When's Neca? You know, we want to get to that stuff too mm-hmm. and we'll, Want to look like we're jumping on the uh, you know on the bandwagon for like the newest thing, which may not be the best thing, but we're certainly going to look at it for, for sure. Um, I haven't had a chance to. Uh, I've seen the art. And I've certainly seen all the covers. Um, I haven't had a chance to to read them yet, but I do have them and they're on my to do list.
0: Let me ask you this, and then I'm going to pivot into some questions that Patrick submitted, and then we can kind of wrap up. Um, and I don't know if this is a thing in in, in terms of production and making figures, but has there been a figure in the alien line that's been like, how do we do this? It's taken longer, or it's something that was really challenging. And I would imagine maybe the more parts there are, for instance, the queen, she's huge and she's amazing. I actually don't own her, but that's, I don't own a lot of your figures. I do like specific ones, but I think I'm going to get the queen and the power loader, but I would imagine a, a, a figure that size, it's three times, four times the size of a, a normal NECA figure. What kind of challenges does that provide?
1: You know, price is really a big thing because generally we've tried to, for the longest time, we were price points of 20 to $25. And in the mm-hmm. last two years, it's probably more like $30. Um, something like the queen really necessitates being like $100. And that's, that's a big ask because we try to uh, be as affordable and as accessible as possible. Um, Certainly there's people out there, you know, companies, competitors have whatever doing higher end expensive stuff. And that's great, but not everyone has that disposable income or that kind of money. Or if they're a fan, they're really going to pick one, maybe two releases in an entire year that they can actually, have the space for and have that kind of money to to spend, um, whereas we try to maintain a more affordable price point so people can collect the line. Certainly, there's some people that are completists, but you know, if you only like Alien Three, we want to make it so you can get everything from Alien Three. You, know, you can get the brown version of the of the Queen that ADI you know had sort of redone. You can get um, you know we, we did an accessory pack. Uh, we did. Uh, um, Ripley and like you said, the commandos and, uh, um, the different, uh, the dog and, and different, um, improved the articulation as time went on, you know, so we want to make it, uh, so everyone can collect it and afford it. Um, the queen took a while for us to get to because really well, is the fan base big enough? And then where are we going to put it? Cause certainly back when she came out, Toys R Us was still a thing. They were like our biggest retail partner at the time. And it was like, well, it takes up a lot of shelf space. And sometimes the retailers don't want that. They don't want to give up the space or they don't want to give up the space for a hundred dollar item. That's going to take longer to turn over. They'd rather have a bunch of $30 or $25 items that turn over much quicker. Um, You know, and that's a challenge because then it's like, well, people say, oh, then, you know, sell it direct or just put it on the web. And it's like, well, that's, you know, that's a possibility, but it's not always the best just someone then has to know it exists in the first place. If like you're not getting anyone finding it fresh. You know, we've had, and certainly when we were doing Godzilla, saw a lot of this where people would just impulse buy. Someone's in a store, they walk by an end cap at a Toys R Us or now Target, and they see this kick-ass, cool, superposable, super detailed figure for 25 bucks and and they just buy it. And then they find out, oh, wow, they make this and they make that. And, you know, it, it opens the door. And I think that's one of the things that um, is important about our retail presence and why we've uh, uh, done well at, at Target and Walmart in these last couple of years is that we're reaching a bigger, broader audience. Uh, I think a lot of collectors become so focused on themselves and how they collect, they forget that in the grand scheme of things, it's still a business, and it still has to be profitable. And we certainly want to service the collectors, but uh, you know, collectors get older; they have families, they have other responsibilities. Uh, a pandemic happens; maybe they can't buy as much stuff. Uh, we got to get new people interested to keep it going, and and uh, you know, uh, get a new generation or a new audience engaged. Whether it's the video games that do it, or what Marvel's doing. Um, we need to, uh, you know, service the entire audience so that it continues to be successful and and continues to grow. Um, so with the queen, uh, it was about, uh, knowing that the fan base would support a figure that expensive. And then from an engineering standpoint, it was like, okay, like you said, she's massive and they have like fairly skinny legs. It's like, how's the, how are the legs going to support this? How can we like ratchet and strengthen the joints? And maybe in the case of the queen, we supply a display stand that, uh, uh, has like a metal rod that you can use to help support or, uh, anchor that upper body. So if you want to have her, you know, reared up more on the, on the back legs and the little arms out, you know, there's a support that holds onto the chest and keeps her standing. Um, you know, figuring all that out, um, how the head slides back. And then of course retail packaging, like we want the box to look impressive. So when you say, oh, this is a hundred dollars cause it's huge, but we also can't have the box be ginormous because then it takes up too much space on the shelf or a retailer will say, oh, we just, we can't, we can't carry that takes it's too big. So, um, but the Queens did great. And we like, we've rerun her probably three different times. The fans have spoken and shown that they want, and we did a genocide queen and we did an alien three queen. So that's what is super cool. Like, you know, they always say, you know, vote with your, your dollar and stuff. You know, if we made something people didn't want, then we wouldn't do it again. I wouldn't do more, but the fans, we owe it all to them. Cause they've, you know, they've allowed this line to flourish and grow and get us to this milestone where we're where approaching, you know, a hundred different figures. And we've been able to do, you know, a hundred dollar items like the queen or $80 item like the power loader. Um, but it's super, you know, it's super cool to do it and to see people either display them on their shelves or do stop motion with them or recreate like movie stills using the toys. When we look at all the like Instagram toy photography and all that. You see people with like, you know, Ripley and the power loader and Queen, and then all the eggs, you know, we did eggs in like an egg carton a while back, you know, it open eggs and closed eggs and face huggers, and, uh, you know, chest bursers and to see people like display all that stuff. It's just so gratifying, you know, it's a whole team of guys that, uh, you know, that are into this and that uh, get excited by, it. you know, anything from sculptors, designers, our painters, uh, our graphics guys who, who do the packaging, like, you know, we all get different things out of it. And we all have different films that are our favorites or characters that are our favorites, but to see how the fan base has appreciated it and supported it. And, uh, to think that we've made uh, this many characters and have so much more to come is like a, a testament to how great the franchise is uh, and how great the fan base is, that they want good stuff out there, you know? And, and I think uh, that's really cool. It'll probably go on forever. We'll be talking about this for the 50th anniversary of Alien, you
0: know? For sure. Patrick is curious about the future of the 7-inch Aliens line.
1: Well, the 7-inch line is definitely continuing. I don't know when this will be up for, uh, you know, for your listeners, but I would say my best guess or estimate is by the end of July, we will have announced or revealed somewhere between four to six new figures that are coming uh, all before the end of this year. Um, And there's certainly more in 22, um, but the back half of this year, is full of new uh, xenomorphs that we have never done uh, or that you have never seen before.
0: That's awesome. This is related because it's Ridley Scott, but like we uh, we also, me and Patrick and uh, uh, another partner, Dan, we run a, a Blade Runner podcast and there's not a lot of stuff for Blade Runner. And how do you, I mean, I know like Alcon owns the IP, has... And I'm not talking specifically about Blade Runner, but is there IP that you guys would like to explore that's, you're like, they're just not interested because of money and licensing and that kind of thing?
1: Outside of Alien, you're talking about in general? Yeah. Sure. So uh, you may not know, we did Blade Runner 2049. Yes, you did. And that was uh, a very cool experience because I also love that original film. And, you know, I got to go to uh, Budapest,
0: maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Budapest.
1: Um, it was like whirlwind. It was like, you're gonna go. I immediately drove to New York, got on a plane, flew to Germany, took another plane, flew to Budapest, spent a couple of days uh, on those sets. And that is something uh, I'll never forget because um, so much of it was practical. And um, I think Denis is a, uh, uh, fantastic director and has amazing vision and I'm excited to see what he's done with Dune too Mm -hmm. and he was so gracious and uh so engaging that I was like jazzed to be a part of that project uh I missed meeting Harrison Ford unfortunately but I did see like Ryan Gosling and uh um got to explore props and wardrobe and get all my reference and stuff so that was uh that was fantastic I had hoped uh that it would open some doors for the original, but you know that's been, you said it's it's complicated and it's a licensing that thing that's been around. With you know they don't have talent rights or uh, or they aren't able to get certain parties to to do it. Um, so that's why you haven't seen it yet. I mean anything can happen, and someday that may change. But um, that's why it certainly is one we'd love to do. Um, Rutger Hauer, Sean Young, Harrison, I mean, fantastic stuff. Um, another one for us, man, I love, uh, Mad Max, um, the original stuff. Uh, and I love fury road. Like Mm -hmm. that movie was so much fun. And that's so, you know, it screamed action figure every second of it, every thing that was on screen, you know, and a Morton Joe. And, uh, you know, I loved that thing. Like I came out of that wishing. Had that feeling like when you were a kid I like think you saw a new movie, like, I want the toy you know I want to, like I wish I could have gone out there and bought a figure and you know witness me and you know I was like <laughs> super into it
0: yeah
1: uh, but that's one that uh, you know for various reasons uh, you know and I, I don't know what all the details but the studio is not able to license it and it's because I believe uh, the director um, either doesn't want to do it or they can't come to some kind of agreement about the you know financials or the profit splitting and how licensing is done i'm not sure uh but in general especially with all the companies out there that are making things collectibles figures statues posters you name it if you don't see it there's a reason why you know the shining is another one everyone wants that nicholson doesn't want to do it you know um that you know a jack torrance would be awesome but for me i I, like i would love to do uh the road warrior mad max franchise for sure if that was ever possible um and and
0: i can already see furiosa as a figure she's so great Yeah.
1: yeah yeah such a cool character and uh such a you know such a fun like high energy crazy you know, crazy movie, but yeah. So there's a lot of stuff out there like that, that just, uh, you know, maybe someday it'll change. And, you know, there's been announcements that George Miller's doing another movie. So maybe they'll work something out. I don't know. Like, you know, we can always hope, uh, you know, as you know, certainly with alien, like it's been years that we've been doing it, but eventually we got Ripley and we got, you know, Ash and, and, uh, um, Kane and, uh, and so on. So you know, And and it's sad, too, like, uh, Yafet passed away just recently, too. It's like, uh, you know, we're coming to that age now where so many of our, I don't know, heroes or actors, musicians, people that we grew up with and, and looked up to uh, are dying. And that's scary. It just reminds you of your own mortality and seeing how many of, like, the principal Star Wars cast. You know, today's the anniversary of the, the original Star Wars. You know, mm-hmm. That's, that's a, a huge reason why I fell in love with toys in the first place, like you know, that that Kenner line, you know. Oh, yeah. And I uh, think we've lost Leia and Chewie and, and R2 and Boba Fett. And, uh, it's, you know, it's like, damn, we're getting old. Yeah. Movies sure. are timeless and we can always watch them and enjoy them. But to see, you know, to see that happening, it's like, uh, it's just, you know sad i'm
0: going to throw in one question from a friend of ours i was like i'll we'll see and then I'll, I'll, I'll wrap this up so our friend mike dennis asks if now that you have kurt russell's likeness for the thing will you do a snake Pliskin
1: figure here's like an interesting piece to this whole likeness and license equation in that you can have an actor's license or like, like, likeness for one thing, but it doesn't mean you have it for another. Like certainly The Thing is a universal picture. It's licensed by Universal. Um, and yes, we have Kurt's likeness for that. Uh, Escape from New York is licensed by a different studio. Um, and we'd have to see if, you know, if we could do it. Uh, and if, you know, just go a step further, if we wanted to do like Big Trouble in Little China, that's a Fox thing, but we know they don't have Kurt's rights. So then we'd have to do a separate deal with with Kurt, if he was willing to do it. So even though you have one, it doesn't mean you're going to get the other one. Um, and a, a perfect analogy or comparison would be Carl Weathers. Um, years ago we did a Rocky line and MGM was the studio and license where they had, uh, Carl's rights as Apollo Creed. So it was just part of the license. They have Sylvester Stallone, they have uh, Carl Weathers, they have, uh, Dolph Lundgren, Mr. T. Uh, so we were able to do all those characters predator. We don't have Carl Weathers, so we can't, we can't do it. We can't do Dylan. It doesn't translate different studio, different contract, different Mm -hmm. thing. So I love Kurt Russell. I am so glad we're doing thing figures. That's another one of those movies that I grew up with. I remember the very first time I saw it, it freaked me out. Um, I watch it at least once every year and turn the air conditioner up and just freeze myself, uh, you know, uh, get that atmosphere of uh, being locked in the in the Arctic, and uh, I'm psyched that we have a McCready figure. Uh, and there and there's going to be more from the thing. Um, everything does well, and I think it will. Uh, our first thing figure is out right now uh, for Father's Day at Target, and then it will be out everywhere else uh, in July. Hopefully, there'll be more Kurt, and certainly more stuff from the thing next year. You know,
0: that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, I've seen a little bit of that. And of course you guys do amazing things. So of course it was awesome. Um To wrap this up, first of all, I want to say thank you for coming on the show. I know this is a long time coming. Obviously the alien fandom is rabid about, as you can see everywhere online, when's the next thing? When's the next thing? Everyone's always waiting to see what you guys release next. Uh, so we appreciate you taking the time to Pull up the veil a little bit and talk about not just a line of toys or a line of figures that we love, but a company that we love, all of us, um, and that we support and that we promote and that we share. And for instance, uh, a friend of ours named uh, Brandon Flores. He does dioramas, and he does it a lot of exclusively with your figures, and they are amazing. I mean, they look like they're out of the they're out of the film, and that's a testament to the work that you guys do. Certainly, the lighting and what he's created is amazing, but you have you have you guys have made figures that look just like the film, and that's a great thing, and that's what we want. You know, we want something that has lived within our hearts since we were kids on our shelf to remind us every day that hey, this is what you're passionate about. This is what it's about. Um, so we're definitely really appreciative um, and thankful that you guys are who you are.
1: So, well, thank you. Yeah, and we we follow Brandon on social and love what he does too. Yeah. It's- and uh we know that the fans and your audience they're just like us like if we weren't making this stuff we'd be buying it because we love this stuff too you know and i i collect lots of toys from all different companies and i'm passionate about it and uh you know it's that like you said it's that escape or that connection to uh your childhood or, or or a movie or a character you love or or can relate to for different reasons and the toys or collectibles give you a little piece of that you can have a shitty day or uh, or just need a distraction and just look at your shelf and it brings you some sort of inner peace or, or calms you down or makes you smile or or you can set it up and take photos of it or what, whatever and customize it whatever it is that uh you know need that it can serve for you uh, we're just lucky to be able to create that stuff you know uh um i have no illusions we're not changing the world or curing cancer or doing anything uh um, you know, uh, that matters at that level, but we bring people, uh, joy, um, uh, make people happy. And, and because of uh, social media and conventions and things like that, we get to see or hear firsthand, uh, how much the toys or the collectibles mean to the audience. Um, and that's really gratifying. You know, it's, it's not, it's not like a paycheck. It's like, we love this stuff. We love to see people collect it, enjoy it, display it, photograph it, dioramas, the whole thing. You know, we're very fortunate. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to, uh, to be on your, to be on your podcast and, and talk about the process and share it. I try to be as transparent and, uh, accessible on on social media and things like that. Let people know, um, what's going on and, and uh, uh, help keep them engaged and interested and, and, uh, you know, we've been doing like Facehugger Friday for years where yes. we do you know, something yes. new every Friday or, you know, try to have teases and, and uh, celebrations or share fans collections and fans photos. And uh, uh, it's important part of it, you know, to have that sense of community. And certainly, and I think it's important always, but in the last year where there's so much isolation or stay at home or quarantine that you can connect with people and bond over things like your love for a film or, uh, you know, or for the toys or, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I'm a big music fan and I, I can't even tell you how much I miss going to a concert and having that experience, that communal thing where like, you know, the band plays a song that hasn't been in the set list in forever, or they play a song that everyone loves and the whole place is, you know, singing and you feel the hair stand up on the back of your neck. Like, that's magic, you know? And, and, uh, uh, you know, the power of music and, and uh, togetherness and community and at least uh, the fans have been able to connect and stay engaged through uh, you know through what you guys do and through uh, social media and um, the world's a much smaller place really than it was before because of all that which is which is good you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, last question: uh, When when should we be looking out for something? As it is, we are in the 35th year anniversary of aliens what's on the horizon and obviously i don't expect you to give me a date or whatever but like approximately what time should we or what day or whatever should we be on the lookout for like a new aliens 35th anniversary release
1: uh hopefully something uh, at least announcement or reveal definitely later this year uh probably fall um again you know we wanted to get through our 40th from alien which continued and continued and continued but there will be something there's 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 some stuff we haven't done or or need to do to sort of make that line feel more complete okay. uh, so hopefully uh say maybe september october there'll be an announcement there um and before that there'll be uh uh some other announcements uh, from different uh iterations outside the films with what i was alluding to before we'll mm-hmm. get to Bunch of new characters this summer uh, that are going to be um, in the figure line. So um, I would say be watching around mid to late July and then probably late September, early October for for more announcements. We're going to keep it going and keep it exciting. And, um, you know, we, we know, at least I think we know what the collectors want to see. And if I'm wrong, they can certainly uh, let us know. Um, you know on our instagram or our twitter or facebook whatever um but uh i think they're going to be really happy with what's uh what's coming down the uh the, in the pipeline in the next um, 6 months or so
0: awesome randy thank you so much for this interview for your time i know you're busy i know you obviously got kids you got a life um thank you for talking to us perfect organism and uh, the fans we really appreciate it
1: yeah, thanks for having me on
0: For more on Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, please visit perfectorganism.com. Perfect Organism is available for listen or download through Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Spotify. If you'd like to support the show, please visit perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Thank you.